Today's episode is brought to you by bonus content. Everyone likes a little something extra, especially when it doesn't come in the way of getting their normal stuff. Which, uh, kind of missed the boat on that, I guess. Uh, Battle Network's taking a really long time to edit, so it's time to get equipped with bonus content as we discuss weapons on this episode of What Am I Podcasting For? Hello, and welcome to What Am I Podcasting For? My name is Carlisle, and this show is the show where I, normally, chronicle my attempts to play through the entire Mega Man series. From Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 11, and as many of the 100 plus games in between as I can, but not this week, I needed a break. So I'm recording a very, very short episode where I just discuss a topic that I wanted to talk about for a little bit, which is weapons in Mega Man. Not necessarily so much specific weapons, so we'll get into some of them. But what makes a good Mega Man weapon. It's one of the defining features of the entire Mega Man series is that as you play through it, you will accumulate a growing arsenal of tools, and then you can use these tools throughout the stages. And I mean, yeah, most Metroidvania games do that, so it's only like part of what the Mega Man formula is, but it's important because some of these weapons can drastically transform the way you play, and some of them you can forget you have. The reality is, is not every weapon in Mega Man games is a banger. Some of them can just get shoved in a shed. So, in the spirit of Mega Man, I've compiled eight factors that I think make a good Mega Man weapon. And these are only covering the 2D games, and they're only covering the games we've covered so far. The first and foremost topic that we'll get onto, and the one that probably props into everybody's mind when it comes to what makes a good Mega Man weapon, is how creative and unique it is. This is because of the fact that we have played, what, like, nine main series games, the entire world series, which had a bunch of unique weapons, 5X series games. We haven't even touched, like, the Zero or ZX series, which have their own variant of special weapons in them. We haven't touched the later, newer X or classic series games. So there's a long history of weapons already existing in Mega Man, and weapons need to get distinctive at this point in order to be memorable. They need to do something cool. Otherwise, they can start to blend into each other, and Mega Man weapons absolutely can be categorized together by, like, weapons that have similar trajectories or purposes and stages, or have similar gimmicks, like being able to be controlled mid-shot, and that's not a bad thing. But the more unusual these weapons are, the more memorable they are. One thing I'm going to do throughout this episode is give a bad and a good example for each type of weapon. And the bad example I will use for this is the Yamato Spear from Mega Man 6. It's just a straightforward projectile that is basically equivalent to your buster shot. Now, it has the added property that it pierces through shield, but that's literally it. Weapons like the Yamato Spear are the weapons that you forget existed because they do nothing different for your kit. They are a tactical tool for taking down certain enemies, but not something that transforms the gameplay. On the wildly opposite side is the aiming laser from Mega Man X4, the weapon that created a targeting reticle that you were able to freely rotate around yourself, that then locked onto enemies and allowed you to guarantee hits on them with a laser beam when you actually fired the weapon. That weapon completely transformed how you interacted with the game and how you took on enemies. And that kind of transformation of how you handle enemies is one of the things that best qualifies just how creative a weapon is and helps make it memorable. Of course, I do want to say, just because a weapon's creative and memorable doesn't mean it's good. Just look at the Power Stone from Mega Man 5 for an awkward example where, yeah, the spiraling outward shots are actually really neat and creative, but the weapon is atrocious to use because of it. 
So creativity alone does not make a good weapon. The weapon has to play good. Weapons playing good can be sort of subdivided into three specific target points that I'll discuss. The weapon has to feel good, it has to have a clear use case, and it has to succeed at that use case. The feel good aspect of it is a bit rough to target, but here's something you have to think about with a Mega Man weapon. It takes time to swap into a Mega Man weapon. If you're playing one of the classic games, this means opening up a menu and toggling over to that weapon, which takes a little bit of time and breaks the flow of the game. If you're talking one of the games that has quick swapping, you still need to either open up the menu or wait until the projectiles from your weapon have vanished in order to change your fire again. That's a limitation. That is something that can slow down the feel of a weapon. It can keep it from feeling good. And an overarching example, in the X games, all the weapons have charge functions as cool, but the charge function adds an extra delay where you have to specifically know you are about to need to use this charged version of the weapon and take the time between shots in order to get there, and that doesn't always feel great. By comparison, Mega Man 8 for some reason the only game to have done this, completely remove the weapon firing limit and let you even overlap multiple different special weapons if you toggled through them fast enough. It's one of the best parts of playing Mega Man 8. But on a more specific weapon example, I picked the Metal Blade as a good feeling weapon in Mega Man 2. Once you swap into it, it's easy to use because you can fire it in any direction, but also because the Metal Blade has the advantage of just having huge amounts of ammunition. It's something like over a hundred shots of it before you run out in Mega Man 2, and that that's ridiculous, but it also makes it really convenient. It's worth swapping into. A bad example of this is the Gemini laser from Mega Man 3, a weapon that didn't just lag up the game, because it absolutely did that, but also took forever to finish firing if you happened to miss. The projectile would just bounce around the screen, and until it stopped, that's it, you can't do anything else. You never wanted to use the Gemini laser in Mega Man 3 if you could do anything about it. Next up is the clear use case. When you get a weapon, you should have an understanding of why you would swap to that weapon and what you would use it for. Obviously, certain games have this a bit easier when they actually demonstrate the use of the weapon and show off any additional properties it might have. Hidden weapon effects are cool, but can make a weapon less valuable to a player and less memorable if they don't find those secrets. A good example of this is the Grab Buster from Mega Man World 5. On its surface, it's a boring weapon, it just fires a regular shot like your Mega Buster, but what it does afterwards is pull HP out of the enemy that you attacked with it. This makes it really, really clear that the purpose of the Grab Buster is to recover your HP, an important thing in the Game Boy Mega Man games because they really like to have high enemy damage and not a whole lot of health lying around. You get that weapon and you know what it is for. A bad example is the Leaf Shield from Mega Man 2, and a lot of shield weapons have this problem Mostly because when a weapon says shield, you expect it to maybe protect you, especially from like projectiles, but it took until Mega Man 9 to get a shield that would actually stop projectiles. But the Leaf Shield in 2 has it the worst, because the moment that you move left or right, it launches off as a projectile. This doesn't mean that the weapon doesn't have its use cases. It's good when climbing up the ladders in Crash Man stage for protecting yourself. It's good when dealing with a hallway of really weak enemies that you just need to clear out because it will pierce through multiple enemies as a projectile. But it's not a shield. It doesn't work the way you expect a shield to, so it feels bad. Finally, 
the accomplishment of the use case, actually doing what it's supposed to do. Every single special weapon has to measure up against the Mega Buster. The better the Mega Buster is in the game, the harder that is for special weapons. It especially was a problem in the classic games from 4 to 6, where they introduced the charged Mega Buster and didn't really adjust weapon power to compensate. But that doesn't mean a Strong Buster has to stop it. Take the Storm Tornado in Mega Man X. The Storm Tornado is just a powerful forward weapon in the same range as your Mega Buster, but it will linger and absolutely shred any enemies in its way. It is a satisfying weapon to use because it is so powerful. Weapons don't necessarily need to be powerful, but if you could just do the same amount of damage in roughly the same arc with your basic buster, why are you using the special weapon? There are other ways that weapons can function too, but they need to make sure that they actually achieve that function, unlike the strike chain in Mega Man X2. This was a weapon that did very little damage and was designed to help pull you towards walls, helping platforming become a little bit easier. But due to awkward timing, a short range, and just a relatively low effect on your acceleration, yes, it's valuable in speedrunning for optimizing the heck out of your movement, but for a casual player, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It doesn't actually do that much for you. It doesn't feel like it accomplishes its use case. Of course, just because you've made a good feeling weapon and it has a use case, you need to make sure that that use case actually has a place. This is a bit more difficult to talk about because this is less about the weapons specifically and more about the levels that the weapon is built for. No weapon exists in a vacuum, they all exist to help you clear stages. Now, the first point is that weapons can just have a cool utility that helps you handle stages. This can be anything from a single puzzle-solving application, like using the flame wheel in Mega Man 7 to light the candles in Shade Man stage. Or it can be about weapons whose primary function is to provide stage traversal utility rather than power. Of course, you have to be careful with it. If your weapon is required, it can end up screwing the player over if they run out of ammunition or were too eager to use your weapon elsewhere in the stage. This was a big problem in Mega Man 2, but by later games, they started working to fix this. Mega Man 8 has sections that require you to use special weapons, but always make a point to have respawning enemies that are guaranteed to drop weapon refill capsules. A good example of neat utility is the Ice Wall in Mega Man and Base, one of my favorite Mega Man weapons of all time. This thing drops a little pillar on the ground in front of you that will do a ton of damage if you spawn it directly on an enemy. You can jump on top of it and use it as a platform. You can start running against it to give it some momentum so it slides, then jump on top of it to ride it off of cliffs to get extra extension on your jump, across dangerous beds of spikes. Speedrunners even use it to clip into the ceiling in order to zip around stages. It's an incredibly versatile weapon that transforms the way that you approach stages. A bad example of utility is not a case where the weapon just has no stage utility, which is a lot of weapons, but the super arm in Mega Man 1. Yeah, you know it was coming up somewhere in here. I've bashed this weapon a ton, and there's good reason for it. This weapon was useful in like seven different rooms in the game to clear blocks. Most of those rooms were for the purpose of being a weapon weakness against a specific robot master. The rooms where you needed it to clear blocks in order to progress the stage, you could just use the Thunder Beam as well. 
and this weapon was so locked into its utility that it does literally nothing otherwise. This is the moment-to-moment. -moment. Mega Man weapons aren't useful just in bosses or just for solving puzzles, but in dealing with your levels day-to-day. You want to be actively using your weapons in stages, and so the level design has to complement what the weapon's function is. If your weapon fires directly above you, you're going to want there to be enemies coming from above you or in a position where firing directly above you is an advantage to be able to take out things. A great example of this is the electric spark in Mega Man X. It was a straightforward projectile that, on hitting an enemy or a wall, split into an upwards and downwards traveling projectile as well. Mega Man X has a lot of vertical segments in its stage design where there are enemies on walls directly above you. Weapons that are able to strike vertically benefit in Mega Man X and become valuable because of it. By comparison for a bad design is the water wave in Mega Man 5, and this sort of affects a lot of like ground tracking projectiles in Mega Man, but the water wave kind of has it worst because it only can be fired on the ground. These ground-tracking projectiles do not do much if you have only short platforms that are separated by gaps or, like, stairs that are going up as your level design. You need long stretches where these weapons are able to sweep through multiple enemies for them to feel good, and if you don't design your stages to have those sections, you've created a largely irrelevant weapon. Of course, there was one good thing about the water wave, which was that it pierced through shields, which mattered specifically against the boss it was good at, and brings me to my next point, which is the boss matchup aspect. Later Mega Man games opted to have it so that hitting enemies with their weaknesses would lock them into animations and snap them out of their mechanics, and that can create a good boss matchup, but it's a little bit forced. I think the actual best thing for weapons to do is naturally counter their boss in some way, naturally interact with how that boss functions so that the weapon feels like a good match for them. A good example of this is the Bubble Bomb from Mega Man World 5. This was a weapon that floated up over your head and was pretty obviously an anti-air weapon. So what boss do you use it against? You use it against Jupiter, a boss who spends most of the fight flying up at the top of the arena out of reach of your other weapons. You will naturally think, okay, I should use my anti-air weapon against this boss, and it is his weakness. It's the weapon that makes the most sense to use against him. A bad example of this is the Shapuga from Mega Man X4, the one zero weapon I'm bringing up in this. The Shapuga is Zero's dashing attack on the ground, specifically. So what boss is vulnerable to that weapon? Web Spider, a boss who spends the entire first half of the fight entirely out of range of that attack, and who spends the second half only occasionally briefly getting low enough to actually be hit by it. That was a terrible match. It doesn't technically prevent the Shapuga from being good in other ways, but it definitely does not help the weapon or the overall impact of the weapon on the game to have it be kind of irrelevant against bosses when the only boss weak to it. You get the idea. Mega Man weapons do not exist in a void. Whatever they are created to do, there has to be opportunities to do it. Finally, our eighth point that I'm going to drive home on this is a little bit weirder to talk about because it's that, once again, weapons don't exist in a vacuum. They exist within the framework of all the other weapons that are also in that game, and that's important to consider. The game's full weapon set always impacts how good a given weapon feels. I'm going to talk less about good or bad and more about how it affected two specific games. 
The first is the overshadowing problem, which is what happens in Mega Man 2. A lot of people consider Mega Man 2 to have an excellent weapon set. Let's be real, Atomic Fire wasn't great. Time Stopper was a puzzle solve for like two rooms in the game. The Crash Bomb sucked. But even useful weapons, like the Quick Boomerang, got overshadowed by the Metal Blade, a weapon that's often considered one of the best in Mega Man history, and there are some stages where it feels like you can swap onto the Metal Blade at the start of the stage and just tear through the entire stage and the boss without ever running out of ammunition. It's ridiculous. The only reason it isn't completely overpowering for the entire game is that the game does introduce enemies over the course of it that are straight up immune to the Metal Blade, that force you to use something else. And that makes the Metal Blade really good and memorable, but it hurts all the other weapons that are just kind of in the okay category, because why wouldn't you just use the Metal Blade? The things that they would do are kind of just already done by another weapon, which is most clear in Mega Man 4. The Drill Bomb, the Ring Boomerang, the Dust Crusher. All of these weapons are straightforward weapons that are meant to be improvements over the Mega Buster. And they do have different things they do from each other. They work extra well against different specific tanky enemies. The Ring Boomerang, for instance, is good against enemies with shields. The problem is, is they're all filling that same niche of a forward-firing weapon. That weakens each of them in turn. They're just not good because of it. They are limited. They can only do so much. What they do is in competition. One of these weapons on their own probably would have actually felt like a decent weapon. Maybe not the most exciting weapon, but a decent weapon. But because they have overlap with another tool in Mega Man's kit, they suffer. In order for a full weapon set to feel good in a Mega Man game, each weapon has to have its own individual purpose and also achieve that purpose. Games like Rockman and Forte made sure that even the weakest weapons in its kit overall were still powerful enough to be worth using or had niche applications that let you do something specifically with that weapon you couldn't do otherwise. It gave everything clear and valuable purposes, and that's what creates a good weapon set in a Mega Man game. Not just an individual weapon, but how the weapons interact with each other. And that about covers it. That's everything I have to say on the subject. I hope this was at least interesting and thought-provoking. Ideally, next time you hear from me in about two to three weeks, it will be the Battle Network episode. It'll be ready to go. Until then, as always, hit up one of my podcasting for at gmail.com with feedback. Hit up at one of my podcast for with the number four on Twitter. waipf.podbean.com is the main website and where you'll find the most recent releases and RSS feed. Thanks for listening. I've been Garlisle, and just remember, like 30 episodes later, the Super Arm is still the most useless weapon we have encountered in the entire series.